the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be walking through the five most common servitization fumbles. Um, I'm excited to welcome back to the podcast today, Hillbrand Rustema, Managing Director and Founder of Noventum. Hi, Hillbrand. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm good. Thank you for uh, having me back. Absolutely. Um, so Hillbrand and I met uh, a few years ago, and um, I've really enjoyed enjoyed his insights. Um, Noventum works with uh, a lot of different organizations on their service transformation journeys, and um, in having um, experiences with companies in in different industries and and you know in different phases of of transformation, he has uh, a wealth of, of insights. Um, Hillbrand and I recently paired up to create uh, the Service Centricity Playbook, Seven Phases of Morphing from Product Provider to Trusted Advisor. That special report is um, available now both on futureoffieldservice.com as well as noventum.eu. Um, and of course, we would love for you to check it out. We are not going to be redundant uh, in this episode with the content that's in that report, but instead we're going to talk about um, the five most common fumbles playing off of the playbook title, um, but the, the areas in which um, that this servitization journey is most likely to go awry. Um, so with that said, let's go ahead and dig in um, to the first one. So the first area, um, Hillbrand, uh, that, that is an area of um, potential challenge and, and concern is um, looking at services from the inside out. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about what that means and, and how that can be problematic. Yeah, so um, it is a very common one where companies look at what they can do uh, or what they are used to do, uh, what their own capabilities is, and then they start to imagine all kinds of services that they, could, uh, that they can provide, maybe, of course, looking at other companies. But an essential element that is often forgotten <laughs> in that process is to listen carefully to your, to your customers and to uh, have a good hard look at your capabilities, um, your abilities to deliver any type of service, if that is a real good fit with what your customers really need. Mm -hmm. And when I emphasize these last two words, what they really need, the challenge here is, is very often if you ask your customers, <laughs> what do you want? Um, you know, nine out of 10 uh, customer will not have a very good idea. They may not be able to articulate uh, what they need or even what they want. And that is because it's a process whereby you have to investigate um, what are your customers' challenges, not just the technical challenges of using your equipment, but more like the business challenges. Mm -hmm. um, and then to try and... Uh, figure out how can you with your products obviously with your equipment your technology but also with your knowledge and um, maybe your network uh, of um, partners um, how can you um, answer uh, uh, you know create a better answer to the challenges that your customers have mm -hmm. and that involves usually a lot of knowledge not just technical knowledge uh, understanding of the processes of the of the business model of your customers of the industry 
um, and, and that's how you then create uh, services. Mm -hmm. And um, while you are uh, identifying possible new services and when you are developing those, it's highly recommended that you do that as a co-creation process with your customers. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the emphasis on, is on customers, not just a customer, because there's no such thing as, as the customer. Mm -hmm. um, I think you would have to start with developing a reasonable uh, segmentation along these different service needs. So you say, hey, these are whatever, a do-it-yourself customer. And this is a customer that has, you know, uh, a strategic thinker and buyer or a value buyer, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. them and go along those categories or segments of customers and then try to uh, work through their needs together with them. Mm -hmm. uh, now we do that a lot with, you know, workshopping, uh, in-depth interviews, uh, showing them maybe uh, prototypes of, uh, let's say the business model, and then eventually uh, go through um, a pilot process whereby, uh, yeah, you really sort of keep on trying, keep on getting it right until your customer or customers tell you, you got it right. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last step in there is um, uh, making sure that you have created a scalable service. Mm -hmm. It's not just uniquely uh, fitting for one customer, but it's for a whole group of customers that you can scale it preferably on a global basis. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And, and I think, you know, the, the key to servitization is delivering um, outcomes that your customers find imperative to their business. And, and it's just not possible to do that if you don't um, lead with, with what those outcomes are um, that they need from you. Outside in versus inside out is the first important point. The second point um, or the, the second fumble is, um, overlooking the need to master the basics. So, um, you know, looking at really um, getting ahead of yourself in terms of your transformation before that you, before you have put um, uh, tools in place um, to, to kind of build a, a strong foundation. So talk about this. Yeah, so what we uh, see a lot now is that uh, company sort of uh, got the digitalization bug and um, uh, started experimenting with the most fantastic digital services um, and sometimes ignoring a bit those basics. And, and what we mean by that is, um, you know, delivering um, very uh, smoothly your basic services, like getting uh, there, uh, let's say getting a field engineer uh, locally on time when it was agreed upon with the right skills and the, the right parts in his hands um, is something that looks easy to do because many companies do it. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, there's also still a, a lot of companies that think, okay, well, you know, that's more or less uh, fine with us. So, so we can move on. The problem is that um, your customers have a certain reason to do business with you. And very often it's not the product you sell or it's the service even that you offer that that's usually very similar to what your competitors uh, do but it is a certain intangible value that you have in your uh, in your brand yeah and if you if you wonder what that is uh, well try asking around um, why customers 
really do business with you and, and you'll find a reason. And they may say, well, you're whatever, the leader in, in, in the market or you really are flexible or you understand a bit, you know, these type of, um, yeah, sometimes very intangible reasons to do business with you. Now, you want to make sure that you deliver on those basic promises. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot, if it's too often that, you know, you cannot deliver that spare part on time, um, there is a certain continuum in what your customers are willing to buy from you as a, as a next stage in the evolution of the relationship that you mm-hmm. have with them. And if you don't do these basic things right, so if the expectations of the brand of your company are not being fulfilled, you can absolutely forget that they're going to buy more sophisticated services mm-hmm. whereby a, a higher level of trust is needed from that customer uh, because you're, they're going to be a lot more depending on you mm-hmm. uh, for, for these more sophisticated uh, uh, services. So, um, yeah, one, one element before you embark on these, you know, outcome-based services, the more sophisticated services, do you have all the basics uh, working very well? And mm-hmm. not just uh, your own opinion there, but what do your customers say? Mm-hmm. About that. And and if they are say generally very positive, you get good good marks on that. Uh, then you can continue. There's a second reason to have those basics uh, right, and that when you start with the more sophisticated services, they're typically more knowledge intensive. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't have your basic processes and systems uh, in place. Um, you don't gather, you don't harvest the type of knowledge and data that you need. For example, if you go from preventive services to predictive services, mm-hmm. your knowledge management processes have to be top-notch. Otherwise, uh, it's not possible to start mm-hmm. with predictive services. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why you need to look at the basics and, and start with those. And it's, it's okay to do some experiments, uh, but just remember that those experiments won't scale if you don't mm-hmm. have the basics right. Right. That makes sense. Um, I always say that that trying to skip over some of those basics is, is like building a house of cards, right? So um, you want to make sure that you have a really strong foundation from which to build. Otherwise, it could all fall apart at, at any given moment. Um, good. Okay. So fumble number three is um, either thinking too small or thinking too big. So the need to balance pragmatic versus big picture thinking. So let's talk about this. Yeah, so I think that um, there's a lot of companies that are very good at uh, execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, they want to implement a new system. They really focus on it. They do that very well. But if you don't have that big long-term vision, if you have no um unifying, energizing uh, vision whereby everybody understands what you are aiming for in the long term or what your business stands for, it's going to be very difficult to stay focused. So you you can do all kinds of um, successful short-term projects, but if that is not helping you to get closer to that achieving that that long-term vision, um, why are you doing it? So, so you often see that well-intentioned projects, um, you know, 
let's name some examples. Um, uh, a drive to standardize your global service operating model uh, is, is really going well. And at some point, um, whatever, after one or two years, the company achieves it. But then it has taken so much effort and time and, and sometimes pain that people have forgotten why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And they're done and then it sort of plateaus. Well, this was only a prerequisite to implement a bigger vision. Um, now, and very often, and, and it's unfortunate, uh, there are companies that have this sort of quarterly based focus. They just live from one quarter to the next. And uh, maybe sometimes, uh, yeah, managers are not in, in, in a role long enough to, uh, <laughs> to, a, to achieve anything like a, a long-term vision. Yeah, so I, I think that is, that is um, a balance that you have to find. Um, what I uh, would say is that uh, pragmatism and um, achieving short-term goals is obviously uh, driving success. Um, but without that bigger picture and not just a picture for the service business, mm-hmm. but for the entire uh, business and understanding what is the role that your service organization plays in the bigger strategic vision of the company. Without that, it's very difficult to be successful. Yeah. So, so execution is obviously important. I mean, that goes back to kind of our, our second point, which was building that strong foundation, right? I mean, you have to be able to execute. You have to be able to, you know, be on time and have good first-time fix rates and, and all of those, those key things. So execution is important, but innovation is equally important. And I think what you just said about the fact that this this vision for service and this strategy for you know where are you taking the company over the next two three five years, it has to be company wide, not just within the service function. I mean that that's one of the the biggest challenges I see within organizations that are, you know, trying to sort out their outcomes-based service or servitization journey is they're trying to do so within a silo of the service function, not at the company level. And unfortunately, you know, there's just no real way to, to, you know, maybe you can make some incremental, um, you know, uh, changes and, and improvements, but, but to really seize the opportunity that's here, it has to be done, you know, at the, at the company wide level. So, um, you need people that that can do, you know, in some ways, service leaders, you know, have it tough right now because because you know, typically, people as human beings are geared toward either being more pragmatic or being more innovative and big picture thinking, right? And to a certain extent, service leaders need to be able to force themselves to do a bit of whichever doesn't come as natural to them. But from a company perspective, you know, you also need to make sure that you're you're looking at putting skill sets in place that can accomplish both of these functions in a way that can drive the business forward, you know, to, to meet that, that strategy and those growth goals. Yeah, I would uh, add to that, uh, Sarah, is that um, one of the uh, interesting challenges that service leaders always have is uh, when they have that vision clear for themselves on where they want to be in a couple of years time. Let's say they want to go to these outcome-based services and maybe whatever, offer their equipment as a service or 
managed services or whatever they want to do. Um, it is so challenging to get all the other functions of the organization uh, along with, with your own vision. So mm -hmm. um, therefore, there is a role here for the C-suite. Um, mm -hmm. and, and normally, I would say they are really driving it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and to get, as a service leader, to get where you want to be, um, you need to uh, interact with all these other functions. You need them all. Yeah, like mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about sales. Like uh, if you have a very strong uh, sales force that is good in selling products or projects, um, they need to be really aligned with that um, portfolio of services that you are trying to sell along. And at some point in time, it may join together where mm -hmm. you're really selling solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, let's look at marketing. Uh, doing product marketing is is a different discipline uh, altogether than mm -hmm. if you would want to do something uh, that would I would that I would call service marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, look at the finance function. The finance function, uh, particularly if you're going to do as a service propositions, uh, they need a lot of new skills in terms mm -hmm. of asset finance management financial risk management, uh, which are not, they don't come natural to any mm -hmm. manufacturing organization. Mm -hmm. um, let's look at uh, the supply chain organization that uh, may be very good at the traditional forward manufacturing supply chain uh, uh, business. But when it comes to uh, parts management, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's almost the, the, the opposite dynamic. Yeah? So mm -hmm. you're not trying to manage you know large quantities of the same products in in a few directions no parts mm -hmm. management is um you know trying to move to many different delivery points mm -hmm. very small quantities and your objective is not to lower inventories but to have the right service level mm -hmm. whereas uh, traditional manufacturing uh, or supply chain organizations uh, look more at the at the uh, at the inbound manufacturing uh, part so mm -hmm. It's, it's all these different disciplines that have to develop an understanding of what your new service business model means to them. Um, and that's, there is a very big educational component uh, in that. Mm -hmm. And it's simply, uh, yeah, if you want to have people doing different things, it takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that vision, that common vision that unites everybody is only the starting point. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, okay, good. So moving on to fumble number four is the inability to combine ambition and agility. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I sometimes find the term uh, agility very confusing. Um, we uh, see it obviously a lot uh, in the IT organizations. Uh, so the meaning the agile development of new mm -hmm. uh, IT applications, which is a good thing. Um, it, is, it is definitely very successful as a discipline. But if you want to try to work in an agile way in other disciplines, it often gets misinterpreted. Um, and that is that uh, making small incremental changes um, is something different as developing an agile application. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, agile is a bit of a, a fashionable term uh, right now. If you do not have a clear understanding 
if your project, if you're doing, if you're running that in an, with agile methodologies, if your project is really contributing to achieving that strategic goal, which is part of that vision, um, then you probably are just using an advanced uh, project management technique mm-hmm. uh, called agile. Uh, but it, it may not really help you to get into the right direction. You can have very ad, uh, successful agile organizations developing completely in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. And it's, mm-hmm. it is, it is uh, attempting uh, to say everything is agile and, and confuse that with uh, only short-term views mm-hmm. and short-term results and to get into an, an iterative mode um, whereby... Um, if you if you contrast that with um, yeah a more long term um, let's say strategic view of the business whereby according to a plan you are achieving bigger milestones mm-hmm. um, th- that will bring you much further than just always do that small iterative change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so that's why we're saying you have to combine ambition and agility. So the ambition is what is your ambition for the company? around service, where are you trying to go? And it's okay to make iterative changes to get there, but you need to be working towards those those bigger objectives. Yeah, Um, it's a tool, it's not right. It's a, yes, good, good point. That's a good way to put it, Um, good. All right, and the last number, fumble number five is um, prioritizing IT driven change rather than business driven change. Yeah. Um, oh, this is. I could uh, probably talk another half hour uh, <laughs> about this, but we only have a few minutes left. Yeah, I would say uh, IT-driven change is one whereby um, the there's a lot of focus on implementing a certain um, tool, a certain mm-hmm. application, um, and. Uh, usually under the name of uh, we have to keep it standard, we have to stick to the IT strategy, this is what you have to live with. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that a lot of limitations are imposed on, on the business, particularly mm-hmm. the service business. Uh, for example, companies that uh, try to promote ERP systems in service organizations, they find that very challenging, uh, rather than customer-centric IT uh, solutions. So um, business-driven change is uh, the situation whereby it, at the end of the day, if some decisions on, um, on change have to be made, it is the one and only final criteria is, are we going to improve our business with this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not, are we going to comply with our IT standards or IT strategy? Um, and continuously looking at the business goals how are we going to achieve those and if that sometimes means that you have to you know sacrifice your your ideal it strategy or your ideal it landscape i would say so be it Mm -hmm. Um, in in terms of mentality uh, i would say there's um, people that fully understand business driven change um, um, uh, usually it's, it's run by people that have a lot of business experience mm-hmm. and you have people that are put in charge of, you know, maybe large service transformation uh, initiatives that have a very strong IT background. Mm-hmm. And I clearly see the differences in outcome. 
Mm-hmm. So the in the end, you you have with the IT driven approach, uh, you have a working system. Yeah, the system works. Mm-hmm. Is anybody using it, and is it delivering the right results? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and with the business um, approach, it's it's quite the opposite. So, are we achieving our results with this solution? If not, let's change it. Let's tweak it. Uh, and I'm not saying this is the uh, you know, uh, blanco check to just uh, <clears throat> start all kinds of customization of, of your of your IT uh, solutions. Now, in, in the country, I would say most, uh, let's say, mature IT uh, platforms, they can deal with <clears throat> most of the, um, let's say, the, the requirements that are out there nowadays. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but yeah, the challenge is uh, <clears throat> the, the attitude and the, um, the type of uh, background of the people. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, as digitalization has become, um, you know, a a path to growth, then, you know, IT needs to support that growth rather than just to your point, you know, serving as a means for compliance and and just operational. So that makes sense. Um, Okay, so those those are the top five fumbles that that we see people make on the um, the journey to servitization or outcomes based service. Again, Um, The report that we just published is the Service Centricity Playbook, Seven Phases of Morphing from Product Provider to Trusted Advisor. Um, And these are the five most common fumbles, but that report outlines those seven phases and it um, provides not only Hillbrandonized perspective from our years in in the industry, um, but also the real world perspective from the companies that are on some of the companies that are on this journey. Certainly check it out. Hillbrand, thank you so much for coming back and and spending some time with me today and for working with me on the report. It's been really fun and and I'm hoping that people will um, find it very useful. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sarah. All right, you can find the report uh, and more information by visiting www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at thefutureoffs. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.